Welcome to the interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. Right now, I'm standing outside the Biltmore with a band called Perfect Pussy. Guys, I saw your van as we were walking to this little spot, our little smoke hole, we'll say. What happened to your van? Oh, but first, first, before we answer that question, how about we go around in a circle and introduce ourselves by saying our name and what we do in the band. Uh, My name is Meredith, and I sing. My name is Ray, and I play guitar. My name's Sean, and I play the keyboards. So guys, what happened to that van? We ran into something that was moving the same speed as us along the same road as us, and we got a little damaged. Okay. Sometimes (laughs) when you tell a story, it's good to give details to give that story a little oomph. We were driving overnight from Detroit home. It's about a 10 or 14 hour drive. Which one is it? It's, it's around there, around 10 to 14 hours. I don't know, maybe it's 12. Uh, it was the last day of that leg of our tour and we were all very excited to get home to see our friends and it was Mother's Day. Yeah, it was Mother's Day as well. it was well. graduation day and we had some friends, all of our friends were graduating college and we wanted to get there. It was six in the morning. Everyone was asleep. And then we all woke up to our van hitting a tractor trailer on the side of the road. And it was very, very, very scary. Very frightening. Nice, thank you for those details. I really appreciate that. (laughs) All right, guys, how about I play a song by a band called Perfect Pussy? (laughs) Why would you want to do that? This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Driver by a band called Perfect Pussy off their debut record, Say Yes to Love. I've got three members of the band here with me who would like to talk a little bit about this song. I'm picking this guy. Um, uh, yeah, well, what about it? I think your guitar part on this song is really important because it kicks off the record. So I think you would be the person to talk about this because it's all you. You start the whole record by yourself. That's why this song is awesome. Uh, well, we were, we were mixing it, and that was the first song we mixed since it was probably the first one we recorded. And Sean, Sean, <laughs> Sean asked me as we were mixing it, "How do you want your guitars to sound?" And they weren't they weren't growling. No, 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 that's not how. That is. No, no, no. He didn't ask me how. I, I didn't ask him how he wanted the gu- guitars to sound. We were mixing, all sitting in a room, just hanging out, and Ray comes up taps me on the shoulder and says, Sean, can you make my guitar sound like a lion growling? And I said, no, Ray, I cannot do that. 
that's when we wrote Driver. And that's that's when we wrote Driver. We wrote it as it was being mixed. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we wrote most of the album. We we wrote most of the album as we were recording it and then mixing it at the same time. So. so, Perfect Pussy, great band name. I would love to hear Meredith explain where that name came from because I think it's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it's actually really simple. Every time I try to explain it to people, the answer just gets easier. It's just just about uh, resisting the 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 force that's put upon you by society and capitalism to dislike yourself. It's it's really simple resistance. <laughs> that's all it is. Sometimes simple things are the best things. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. That's one thing I've learned. Definitely because of this band, simpler is better. Awesome. So besides the great name, you guys also have a weird origin story. Who would like to run me through that one? I can take that because it's actually, it gets warped really easily. Um, what happened was a film director contacted me and asked if my band wanted to play in a movie. And I actually, my band had broken up. He had researched us on the internet and didn't realize we'd broken up. So Greg had been one of my best friends for a really long time. I got him to play bass. I needed to find a new drummer. Neither of us really knew Garrett, but Greg was in contact with him. So the three of us were in a fake band for a movie and we recorded a single. Um, we didn't really do anything for a year until Ray and Sean decided to play with us. And that was about a year ago. In that year, what was the hardest obstacle you had to overcome to become the band you are now? Hardest obstacle? Uh, probably the attention. Honestly, nobody wants to believe that there's a band that had a four-song cassette out that had only played three shows that actually started to get mainstream attention. And we didn't believe it ourselves. It, it um, called up a certain amount of disbelief in, in people for a lot of reasons. People didn't believe that a really noisy band could get mainstream coverage. People don't want to believe that hardcore bands get mainstream press. People don't want to believe that female-fronted bands get, get press. So there's a lot of people that put up a barricade simply because they basically just don't believe we exist they think we're like mother goose you know but but it's whatever it's at least for me it's been the biggest obstacle is the the amount of attention because if you're a person with really severe anxiety like me it can cripple you and make it impossible to work just the stress of knowing that people are judging you without ever having met you that's terrifying if you've ever experienced it you'll know there's no feeling like it in the world like there's thousands of eyes on you that are just judging you constantly i love that it's different for me, I think, in a lot it's of ways. It's a lot different for you. Because yeah. you're more at the center of the all the attention. Like, if the band Perfect Pussy does something, it's basically, like, you You can almost become that face. It's probably a lot more pressure than, say, Ray's growling guitars have. Right. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> My lion guitars. <laughs> your, your lion guitars. But at the same time, that's also something that I've actively worked to combat ever since the beginning. And what happened was... When you first started playing shows and recording, there was this push towards total egalitarianism, which is why the vocals are so low on the record, and we kind of consider everything to be on an even playing field, which is why, to the best of our ability, we play in a big line, so there's no focal point on stage. You can see all of us stretched out right in front of each other. And lately, I think we've also either consciously or subconsciously been making motions to increase visibility of each other on stage, so we drop back once in a while so other people can step forward to perform, stuff like that. But then when press started to pick up, people started calling me to interview me. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is great. People want to talk to me. They want to ask me questions. That's wonderful. And then I realized they were making me out to be the focal point of something that I never intended to be at the center of. So I dropped back, and I haven't actually done interviews in like two months because I got sick of people making me the focal point of the band. It's infinitely more important to me that people pay attention to what the guys are doing. So for a while, I just had to be like, fuck this. I'm not going to talk. You know, it's weird. 
It's perfect pussy. When you guys first got a little bit of US-wide attention, you guys dare to criticize your local scene. So I'd love it if I could get you guys to talk a little bit about why you felt you needed to speak out. Me? I didn't say anything, so I think Meredith can yeah. talk all about this. Yeah, no, I can cover it pretty quickly. Um, I had a lot of issues with the way that I and other non-male people were treated in the hardcore scene in our city. And I'm used to everything being sort of from a DIY perspective because I've never been outside of it. So when people started to interview us, I talked about it really liberally and at length without taking into consideration the fact that it was being covered by bigger media outlets and that more people would see it, which is totally irrelevant in one way because people don't care about what happens in the nuanced interconnections of the Syracuse, New York hardcore scene. Like that's not a real thing anyone gives a shit about. But when people in our hometown saw it, they got really mad and it led to this insane controversial drama that made absolutely no sense. And it got really sad really quick. Yeah, what those people did was f***ed up. But at the same time, if I had it to do over, I would have been a lot more careful with my choice of words because I had a chance to actually speak out about systematic problems in the hardcore scene at large. And I used the space that I had to personally go after people that had f***ed with my friends. It bit me in the ass. You learn, you learn lessons the hard way. I had the first six months of this band to drink before interviews and like cuss people out and I, I won't do that anymore. It doesn't make the problems that happened any less real, but I was definitely a contributing factor to those problems. And that's something where hindsight really is 2020. <laughs> that's for sure. I also think it's really, it's really important to note that because of all the focus that got put on me, whether I liked it or not, people did definitely assume that I was speaking on behalf of all of us, and that's never been the case. I've never tried to speak for any of the dudes in this band. I don't think I really could, honestly, because there's something to be said for, on either side of the argument, for the fact that they're dudes and I'm not. Like, my experience with all of this oppression and all of this bullshit stuff isn't theirs. So I, I never intended to speak for them because they didn't experience any of it. I did. And I, I would never want to speak for anybody. So, so it did get it did get the band in quite a lot of trouble when really it was just me that was running my mouth. And I don't feel like it's any any of the guys in this band. It is zero percent any of their obligation to defend me. They have absolutely no, no, no responsibility to me to stand behind me. And in fact, I've done things. And other, I mean, it's not just me. Other people in the band have done things that people have disagreed with. But that's what it's like to function in a cohesive family unit when you're performing with people. All the people that we travel with and that we make this music with, we, we love and we trust each other, which means that we can tell each other when we f***ed up or said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing. So that's the important part. It's not defending each other. It's um, a, an air of mutual understanding and respect where you don't have to agree with one another and things will still be okay. That to me is infinitely more important than a trio of like, yes, people standing behind you and saying everything you do is great because that's bull That's not how the world works. That whole situation also brought up a very interesting like dialogue and conversation between like community and it ended up bringing like this weird community of people that I wouldn't necessarily consider part of like Syracuse hardcore or whatever but people that related to that they ended up like banding together which is yeah. a weird good thing like I'm glad that that happened kind of and all there's a lot of anger and weird things said on both sides of this whole argument and I had friends like obviously like my friends that are in this band and then my friends that were mad at me because of something someone I'm friends with said I was so confused but it was a good dialogue to have those conversations because it really drew a line in the sand for me to be able to call like you my friend you my friend or people that were not involved in this project. I knew who my friends were after that. People that are just talking shit without even 
calling me first or talking to me, it just made it very clear who my friend was after that. Nice, guys, thanks for going into that with me. It was a great answer. interview show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Advance Upon the Real by a band called Perfect Pussy. That's off their debut record, Say Yes to Love. I'd love it if somebody in the band could talk about this track. Oh, I know. (laughs) This is the hard one. (laughs) Why is it the hard one? It just kicks right in. Yeah. It's It's like this, Garrett does this roll. It's like... In case you don't know, he's drumming right now. <laughs> that's, yeah, th- that's why it's a hard one, because it... That's how it goes. Coincidentally, those are the words, yeah. Um, I, lo- I love that song, because that song is hard as hell. I love going into that song, because it's just, it's an excuse for us to pretend that we're like a power violence band for the first 10 seconds of that song. So it's really fun. And the lyrics are really mean, so I like singing that song, because the lyrics to that song are about, like, how when you're crazy, like I am, and people want to date you, or they think they want to date you, at first, there's that mentality of like, especially if, if you're a girl and you're, and you're crazy and you're, you're weird or whatever, there's that mentality of like, garden state. Like, oh, if I fall in love with a crazy girl, it'll change my life. Like, garden state, or, or Amelie, or like the, 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 the trope in film of the manic pixie dream girl. Like, when you're actually that girl and idiot, like bonehead indie rocker dudes are like, oh, if I date you, you she'll, she's whimsical and she'll change my you're life. Illusioned, and that's why the title is Advance Upon the Real, but exactly. it's like... Exactly, but it's also Advance Upon the Real, R-E-E-L, because the term manic pixie dream girl comes from film studies. And I was in film school when that idea was first sort of coming out as an emergent idea in paper. And I'm obviously a feminist, and I, I like studying feminist film. So seeing people writing about that as a construct, when when I was in high school, that was when those films were coming out, like Eternal Sunshine and Garden State and, and those dorky, whatever, tropic films. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I said, when you're actually crazy and when you're actually trying to date people, you have a lot of people that fetishize you for being whimsical and weird and different, seeing the world in this new light. And it's really awkward, and that's what that song's about, is like, don't tell me I ruined your life, you knew what you were getting into, you just thought it was something else. So I like that song, because that song is like deep, deep revenge for me. That felt really good to write. That was something I needed to say for a long time, and then I never did. I read a lot. I don't have friends, I have books. That might be my favorite song. Yeah. yeah. It's totally it's- fine. It's kind of it's got it's kind of like dancey. I I like advance because the first like 15 seconds of it are ultra violent and super super fast and then it does go into a real swingy dancey part and I always pretend in my head, you know that band the Swedish band The Sounds? They were around a long time ago. The singer was this really great woman. She was really awesome. That's who I see in my head when it gets to that dancey part cuz that's what a lot of their songs sounded like. I don't know. I have like femme icons that I think of when I'm performing cuz I never want to be myself.
The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. You just heard Roman numeral one. That's by a band called Perfect Pussy. That's off their demo, which is called I Have Lost All Desire for Feeling. I've got the band here with me. I'd love it if somebody could talk about that one. Nobody wants to talk. That's that's the first song we wrote. Ray, 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 that's Ray's song. Ray, Ray's been working on that riff for like, probably like, what, 12 years? <laughs> At least. No, for real. At least. You wrote, you wrote that like a while before our band even was a thing. It was just like a riff that you had that you play. I heard from former roommates of Ray's that he would just play that song over and over and over and over to the point of their insanity. I wanted to sound like Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation. Perfect pussy. Let's talk about how you guys make your tracks. Who wants to put up their hand and who wants to talk about that? Uh, Garrett and I usually get together and we write a song um, and then we bring it to everybody else and everyone else adds their parts and might tweak it a little bit and then we bring it to Meredith and Meredith adds her words over it and then we go into the studio and then Sean does his thing and that's how we come out with the songs. Notice, notice that there was absolutely no mention of an editing process anywhere in there. We've never written a song that we haven't used. Yeah, it's, it's literally just Here's a minute and a half of music. Everyone else make a minute and a half of music all at the same time. And if we stop at the same time, that's a song. We don't, we don't edit anything ever. We just kind of go. Wow. So you guys oh, have... I mean, oh, I'm still editing all my keyboard parts. <laughs> you're, you're still editing your keyboard parts and the record's been done since November. Sean's <laughs> a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, clearly. All right, so you guys have said that you recorded the whole record in a week, which prevented you from doing anything stupid or too contrived. If you guys had longer than that week, how would you have experimented a little? We would have played more music together, but we were all really busy with other things and traveling all over the country. So we would write more. I think we would just play more music, probably hang out more, maybe play some chess, probably read some books during the process and we did it in less than a week for sure yeah. <laughs> it, it seriously wasn't even a week when you think about it it's it's it, it took it took seven days to do but the amount of hours that we put into it was probably like 72 hours total tops from writing to the finished record 72 hours you I think logged my hours for it. i don't know how many hours i worked on it because i, I mixed it, like it. Five minutes because you wrote your parts in the studio talking about mixing and stuff. Uh, Guys, I love this conversation, but we need to put up our hands because when I try to edit this together, it's not going to make any sense. We never did well in school. No, no, there's also something to be said for that because we have a tendency to do this a lot. This has happened in a lot of interviews where later in the transcription, quotes will be misattributed to people because the five of us will sit there and talk over each other and talk at the same time. I mean, you got to remember, we've literally been on tour since the last week of November. We live together. We're like the Brady Bunch at this point. We finish each other's sentences. We're impossible to talk to. And you get us out of the van and you drop us off at the venue like during a show. There'll be 300 people in the room. We will be sitting with each other. We are up each other's butts. We never leave each other's side. So we do talk. We do talk. We're like a pile of puppies. We talk over each other. You guys are adorable, adorable puppies. Speaking of, I would love you guys to explain what band Feelings Time is. Originally, it was just like we started this band and we'd practice and then maybe go out to a diner and then we'd all sit down and hang out and talk. But now it's just band Feelings Time all the time. 
Yeah, band feelings time was a thing back when we would only see each other once every two or three weeks. Because, I mean, when there's five people in your band who all have full-time jobs and a lot of whom work in restaurants and are constantly gone at night. And I, tra- I traveled, so I was n- never in Syracuse. I was always some other place. Yeah, it used to be our time to catch up with each other. And, and we, we all had so much going on with our jobs and, like, our relationships and, and work and, and life. And um, we would get together every three weeks and be like, okay, so what's happened? We don't need that anymore because now we're together 24 hours a day. There's no there's no scheduled feelings time, but it's a really strong foundation to have built off of because we, we now know that we, we can be vulnerable with each other and when things get shitty, we can be shitty and everyone else will just be like, oh, you're being shitty and 10 minutes later, everything will be great. So it helps. <laughs> That's by a band called Perfect Pussy. I've got three members of the band here with me. I would love it if somebody could talk about this song. And that's off their record, Say Yes to Love. Um, this was actually the shortest time I, we spent writing, actually. I wrote this song like 10 minutes before you guys came over that one day, and then I showed it to you, and then Greg just learned it really quickly. And then that was it. Um, if you want to take over lyrics. Well, another thing about that song is that it was, um, when, when, when the guys write songs, I don't do anything. I don't write any music. I don't have a hand in it. I don't want to. I take their finished songs and I just write lyrics to them. So I, they do whatever they want. I do whatever I want. It's great. Um, I was freaking out about the new songs because they were good and they were really different. So I would hear these recordings. So I walked into practice and Ray said, you know, we wrote a slow song. And we were all kind of like, hmm, I don't know. And then he played that that opening riff for us where Garrett and Ray come in together. And that's really meaningful because Garrett and Ray have a longstanding artistic partnership. They've been co-collaborators in other bands. So that's really cool to see the two of them working together to do something more melodic as opposed to the noisy stuff this band usually does because that particular guitar part almost sounds to me like it could be for Ray and Garrett's other band. So that's really important because that song's about relationships and, you know, it's nice. I wrote the lyrics. It's the most emotional song on the record for me. And every time we sing it, I get super fucked up and want to barf and cry. So, But I like it because Ray and Garrett wrote it together and I think it's nice. All right, guys. Thank you very much for coming and being on my show. I really appreciate that. At the end of my show, I like the guest to pick one of their own tracks and talk a bit about it as I bring up the music. So, your choice, guys. What would you like me to play? Because we don't ever, yeah. yeah, we don't play that ever, and I'm, I kind of miss that so Yeah, the third song on the demo is interesting. Um, one of the reasons we don't play it anymore is because I actually doubled my vocals on that, which was a last-minute decision. There's one set of lyrics on that song that I'm actually singing, and it was the only song I had done that way up till that point. Um, and I wrote this song 
about uh, finding out that my then boyfriend was interested in other people and I was really depressed about it and so I wrote this really depressing song about that relationship and then by the time a couple weeks later that we actually went to record it I had totally resolved my feelings on the situation and I didn't like the lyrics so I went and added another set of lyrics over it that's actually me saying to myself what was I saying the first time around it doesn't make sense anymore so there's that that song is actually me I recorded one vocal track and then a week later I recorded a second one because I was so embarrassed of the lyrics I wrote for the first one so that song is it ended up being me yelling at myself and there's two of me on that track and that was the first time I'd done that so I think that's funny so that song is basically the first Meredith Meredith duet (laughs) that's that's (laughs) Meredith and that's Meredith meet Meredith well I'm like the Olsen twins all right, so we're going to listen to three by a band called Perfect Pussy off their demo, I Have Lost All Desire for Feeling. Guys, thank you very much for being on my show. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yay.
Hi, my name is Sean from Perfect Pussy, and I'm happy, very, very much excited and happy, so much happiness to be on the interview show with Scott Wood. Hi, uh, I'm Scott, I'm Ray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on the Scott Wood show. You're actually on the interview show with Scott Wood. Oh, I'm on the, the interview show with Scott Wood. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sean. I'm a great person and I'm really happy to be here on the interview show with my friend Scott. Hi. <laughs> that was Sean, in case you were wondering. The person that was talking before was Meredith, actually. Sean is very shy and doesn't like to be put on the spot. Um, I'm on the interview show with Scott Wood and my name is Ray. But Ray, what band are you in? Uh, I'm in a band called Swamps. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you are in a band called Swamps, but you're also in another band, and you've been talking about that with me for a while. Oh yeah, uh, Perfect Pussy. <laughs> <laughs>